1: hello and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast it is the first Monday of the NFL season which means the last game of week one facing featuring everyone's heroes the Denver Broncos starts uh, in just a few hours I am actually uh, currently in Phoenix sitting right across the street from the site of the Cardinals complete collapse on opening day. That is just one of the 14 games that we will be discussing today. Dennis, how does it feel to finally have real football games
2: to discuss? Man, let me tell you something. It is good. G-U-D good. I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my day yesterday. You know, I hopped on with the Better Sports Network about 245. I had my TV up. I finally installed the TV in my studio so I can see it. I had it on the mixed channel. I had eight games going at once. I need to petition the NFL network to not have more than eight games on at any given time because I literally, there were nine games. On the other mixed channel, it was just the Patriots and the Dolphins. And so I did not see hardly any of the Patriots and Dolphins uh, other than in red zone and, and highlights uh on the other eight games but man it was pretty glorious I kind of I hung my kit little kiss figurines up in my studio over here got my dry erase board my TV I my wife is gonna be so mad this fall she's like she's never gonna see me it's gonna be I, I'm gonna have to make up for it in the spring. Well,
1: fortunately, uh for me it worked out. My my wife had a spa day yesterday, so I got to sit up here and watch some games. And I actually had the uh, uh, enjoyment of kind of sitting here on the top floor of my hotel where I'm here for an IT conference watching all the Cardinals fans file out in the middle of the third quarter when it got to be thirty-seven to seven. Um this entire hotel was almost all Chiefs fans, so I was wearing my Broncos shirt when I came in yesterday, but last night when we went out to dinner, I wisely switched to just a straight red polo. I wasn't looking to die last night. but Chiefs uh, fans aren't like that. I don't know, man. I don't know. But the... uh, The first game we'll look at, we're going to power through the slate and look at what we learned in week one. The first game, a lot closer than any of us thought, the New Orleans Saints headed into Atlanta to battle the Falcons. I thought it was going to be an easy win. It was anything but easy, but the Saints do pull out a 27 to 26 squeaker over the Falcons. The big part of the first half of that game was Taysom Hill, the running back. Uh, He had 81 yards on four carries total, including the first touchdown of the game, a pretty sweet uh, 11-yard scamper. Jameis Winston really struggled in the first half, so that kind of kept him in Winston a little bit better late. Dennis, are you
2: buying into Taysom Hill having weekly fantasy value? So I'm just going to throw it out there. I am not rational about Taysom Hill. I am on the other end of the spectrum from you and your boy. I I just, I don't feel like, I, I think he's typically going to, he's a touchdown dependent three rush attempt guy. He just happened to bust off an 80 yarder yesterday and then he got the touchdown. I, I don't think so. But again, I'm not rational. You might have another version of this reality that, that, you know, you know, I might be in the upside down. You might be in the upside down. I don't know. I just, I've never been a Hill fan. So.
1: You know, I might surprise you. I had interest when he was starting quarterback, cause I think you could guarantee touches, but in his current role, I am with you as a fluke, he had a 57 yard scamper and then 11 an yard touchdown. That was 68 of his yards He'll probably get a couple chances a game. There is a chance he breaks one off. Are you going to feel good about that? No, you're not. The other one that broke out for the Saints yesterday that I might start feeling good about is Michael Thomas. He didn't do anything in the first half. But kind of came alive in the second half as Jameis Winston got it going. He ends up catching two touchdowns, five catches, 57 yards. Are you starting to feel a little bit excited about Michael Thomas again?
2: Uh, I am, again lack of rationality here i'm an ohio state fan i watched him all through college um rostered him during that 7,000 catch season that he had a few years ago now i i like michael thomas and what he does and you know he he was very dominant in the red zone and i i feel he's got good size he's 6 3 he's 210 Um, he's not fast he gets separation with his physicality and he's got exceptional hands so I think if you expect him to play a certain type of game a separation game a speed game I think you're gonna get disillusioned with what he brings to the table but if I can get five for 60 most weeks with a touchdown or two every you know if I think he's not. I think ten or twelve touchdowns on the year is probably within the range of outcomes for him, pretty comfortably. So I I like the volume he got. You know it. If you know they, the Falcons focused on Thomas, and it freed up the deep threat uh, Jarvis Landry.
1: Yeah, eight targets for Thomas, nine for Landry. You got to feel good about the volume. Both of them look good. We hope that continues. On the flip side, the Saints, uh the, the Saints defense had a hard time stopping the Falcons on the ground. Got 120 from Cordero Patterson, 72 from Mariota, 192 from those guys combined. But the passing game was a little bit of a different story. Drake London did okay in his first NFL game. He saw seven targets, caught five for 74. Kyle Pitts only two for 19 on seven targets. Is this a product of the Saints' defense, or are you a little bit worried about the volume in the passing game?
2: Uh, I'm not worried about the volume because the volume was there. It's just it didn't convert, and you're going to have days like that and we're going to talk about that when we get uh, onto uh game towards the end of this slate as well. Some days you're, you know, the quarterback's throwing it to you and you're just not converting and that's the way it goes. Um, I, I like where the, the Falcons are at. They are having to learn each other with a new quarterback, new wide receiver. Um, you know, Cordero Patterson, I think, uh, I'm curious if he'd have ran the ball as many times as, as he did if Damian Harris or uh, Damian Williams had not gotten injured. I, I feel like that ended up being more a function of circumstance. So I like, uh, I like Patterson as a flex play most weeks. Um, I don't think he's going to be racking up 120 yards rushing. I think we saw last year when they tried to use him that much in the running game that he wears down as the season goes on, but I'm not concerned about Pitts. If in Dynasty uh, or e- even redraft, you know, I might you know throw some feelers out there and see if the managers are getting a little spooked because he did only catch two passes. So I, I mean, he had what seven targets? Mariota threw the ball 33 times. It's not like it's a, a bad uh, opportunity share.
1: Yeah, I agree, and plus a tough secondary for New Orleans. The only uh, good news about potentially a Damian Williams injury is all those Tyler Algier stands may actually get to see him touch. Yes, we, we may. Yes, we may. The next game, I called this upset the Chicago Bears winning 19-10 to over the San Francisco 49ers. I wasn't a huge believer in Trey Lance going in, and he struggled. A lot of growing pains here, even against a medium Chicago defense. It was a rainy day. Lance, 13-28, 164 yards, and an interception did have 13 carries for 54 yards. Bad news here Elijah Mitchell is going to be out for a couple of months. Are you worried about Trey Lance? Are you worried about the potential pressure
2: with Jimmy G right behind him? Um, I'm not necessarily worried about Lance. He's, I mean, he started three games. All right. And this third game was in some pretty shitty conditions. I mean, there was, it was waterlogged. It it was playing in, it, it was not great field conditions. Uh, he lost his tight end, Kittle, to uh, an early injury. So Kittle wasn't playing. Um, and then Mitchell got injured. So there were some extenuating circumstances. I'm not out on him, but I think I like Fields a little bit more uh, at this point. Uh, I'm I'm willing to, uh, you know, hold, if, if we're playing poker and I've got Lance in my hand, I'm holding. I'm, I'm going to stay right now. I think he's going to be just fine, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't like he was, you know, given the best of circumstances and then fell flat on his face. He he had some uh, some stuff to deal with.
1: Yeah, there were always going to be some growing pains. So hopefully, he will. Uh, continue to get a little bit better. I do worry a little bit about the pressure. They don't have the easiest schedule. If if they struggle out of the gate, is there going to be pressure to turn to Jimmy G and how does this front office feel? It's a you know, earlier in the summer it seemed like they were very committed. them making this special deal to keep Jimmy kind of makes you feel like they're hedging a little bit. I'll be curious to see how that plays out. If there is one silver lining, None of the teams in the NFC West that have played so far this week looked very good. On the flip side, the Chicago Bears, you mentioned Justin Fields, had a tough start but kind of rallied and got his team going in the second half and made the most of their opportunities. One of the interesting uh, things to come out of this game is – David Montgomery led with in carries with 17, uh, but only got 26 yards, struggled mightily. Khalil Herbert gets nine carries, gets 45 yards, gets a touchdown, uh, caught a couple of passes as well. Are you buying into there maybe being a split this year with the new coaching staff?
2: I think that was always something that was on the table. Herbert showed last year that he could carry the load when Montgomery missed time. Herbert put up decent numbers. Uh, there's been rumblings all uh, training camp that Herbert actually fits the offense better than Montgomery with uh, his skill set. I, I think that you know Montgomery has never been known for his efficiency. He's always been a, a – he produces on volume. Uh, he's a guy that turns a, a three-yard carry into a six-yard carry, not a guy that turns a two-yard carry into a 27-yard carry. And that's just sort of what Montgomery brings to the table. He's a good pass blocker. He can. He's a decent receiver. And he's going to make the plays he's supposed to make. However, yesterday, kind of dealing with that weather, um, their offensive line isn't great. I, I didn't expect there to be any um, real, you know, a- anything new from Montgomery? He he was just going to play what he was. I didn't expect there to be a, a high uh, rush average. Him to be super productive. I didn't ex- with that weather. I didn't expect a lot of people to be super productive. To be honest, so I uh, what Herbert has to do is when given the opportunity, produce. And I think that he showed last year that he can, and then that will put pressure on. Um, Montgomery. Uh, It isn't uh, anything other than that, because the coaches want to win. So they're going to put players there they feel are safe and productive out there. So the safety of Montgomery may get him some more opportunities, but the production of Herbert is what's going to get him some opportunities.
1: Yeah. I think the writing was a little bit on the wall for Montgomery when they declined that fifth year or, with him coming into a contract year and being no rumblings of him getting picked up all of the uh, top three running backs in that class, all seemingly going to be looking for uh, new teams at the end of the season, although maybe not Sanders when we get to him, but Herbert I think is a guy that should be rostered in all leagues. The next game, one of the more surprising results, the Pittsburgh Steelers winning 23 to 20 in Cincinnati in the time that it took me to recount that score. Joe Burrow turned the ball over again. Uh, But we will get to him in a minute. First, uh, for Pittsburgh, Najee Harris left, got a little bit banged up. But I want to focus on uh, what happened during the game. 10 carries, 23 yards, looked like he's struggling to get going. That offensive line they worked on a little bit, didn't look like great improvements. Should we be concerned about Pittsburgh's run game?
2: I think we should be concerned about their running game just because they – they need help on their offensive line, and they didn't do a lot to address that. Uh, I like Harris. I think he's a good talent, but he came in. He'd been playing with a foot injury throughout preseason. Now he looks like he's going to be banged up with an ankle injury. Uh, I think there's an opportunity for Jalen Warren to to get some more snaps, uh, if much like Herbert, he can produce when he gets in there. But we we know what what Harris brings to the table, he's a good receiver. He's a good runner. He's, he's a three down back. And they like to use a bell cow back in Pittsburgh. And right now that guy is Harris, but if he's not being productive, I don't think that Tomlin will hesitate to say, we're going to, you know, you're banged up again. We're going to give you a week or two off and, and let your ankle, let your foot get, and let your, let yourself get right. Your entire
1: load of body at
2: this yeah. point. Yeah, <laughs> We're going to let you get right because we've got a guy we can use. You know, Trubisky with his mobility, he can do some things. Um, you know, it was uh, funny enough, you know, Chase Claypool led the team in rushing yesterday.
1: Yeah. On the flip side, the Bengals, you can only characterize it as sloppy. Five turnovers from Burrow through four interceptions. A lot of them were kind of ugly interceptions. Had a uh, fumble that really could have been considered an interception the way it got knocked up. They invested a lot of money in the offensive line. Surrendered seven sacks yesterday. He looked like he was almost constantly under pressure. Is this just a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover and rust, or is it cause for concern
2: in Cincinnati? Well, I think – you know, it was a great play by Watt on that interception. 99 out of 100 times, that lineman jumping up like that can't control the ball. they It just falls on the ground. Watt was able to bring it in. Uh, I, uh, on interception number four, I felt like that was a good play. You know, the thing with Burrow is he's got a mindset that he believes he can make the play. So he's going to throw it into double coverage because he believes in his guys and he believes in himself. So interceptions three and four, as I was looking at those, you know, he tried to, he was trying to make plays that he believes he can pl- make because he's made them before. The Fitzpatrick interception, that was good coverage. He, you know, threw it into double coverage. Fitzpatrick broke on it, made the play. I'm not going to fault Burrow for believing that he can make those throws when he's made those throws before. Uh, I think the offensive line, as it gets a few more games, a couple more games under its belt, it's going to continue to gel together. But we also know that the Steelers have a pretty good pass rush, and it wasn't like you know we were the the Bengals were playing the little sisters of the poor. They were going up against a, a good defense that has some playmakers on it. So I'm not sweating Burrow right now. It wasn't it was a bad game. I'm certainly glad I don't have him in the Scott Fishbowl, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, there wasn't a lot of wonderful Scott Fishbowl scoring from some of the guys that we were hoping for last night. You could be worse. You could have Stafford
3: or Dak. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of my favorite sports podcasts using Raycon's Wireless 3 Airbuds. Raycon's everyday Airbuds look, feel, and sound better. Better than ever, actually. With optimized gel tips and a perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, they will not budge whenever you're moving around. Trust me, I work on a job that requires me to move 24-7. They're never falling out of my ear, which I appreciate. Not only that, but Raycon gives you 8 hours of playtime and 32 hours of battery life. Raycons are priced just right to get the quality audio at half the price. Other premium audio brands charge you a lot. And no, it's no wonder why Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. My favorite things about them, the earbud tap function. When I'm sitting there talking to somebody and didn't realize that my podcast is still going, I can quickly just tap the button to stop what I'm doing. Noise isolation as well is incredible for me. I get to some loud Environment sometimes, and I'm able to actually just listen and hear just what I want to, which is my sports stuff. They're telling me what I need to know to continue moving about my day. I use them all the time, whether I'm working out, working, or honestly just sitting at home and listening to sports podcasts, sometimes some music to get in the mood. I'm not going to lie to you guys, a little bit of Harry Styles. It's not the same as it was. It gets me going. I love that kind of music. It puts me in a working kind of atmosphere at home when I'm working on everything for the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Go to buyraycon.com slash tppn today to get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash tppn to score 15% off. Again, buyraycon.com tp P and some of the best headphones that I have used to go get them today. They're worth it guys. Go get them
1: for the Bengals, You know, they're playing a tough defense. They turned it over five times and they probably should have won that game. They were a blocked extra point away from doing so right at the end. Um, I, I noted uh, in our, pre-show conversation. The announcer seemed to call out a few times. It was a new offensive line. They look like a group of guys that need a little bit of time to play together to figure out how to play together. So I'm hoping they'll come around. I did like the investments they made in the line, but that is something that the Bengals are going to have to get right if they want to go further. The next game on the dock at Philadelphia Eagles topped the Detroit Lions 38-35. I had hoped for the upset here. I believed in the power of hard knocks, but that 24-point second quarter just crushed all my hopes and dreams. Jalen Hurts looked really good, ran for 90 yards and a touchdown, threw the ball all over the field to anyone that was named A.J. Brown. But Miles Sanders also looked pretty good got 13 carries, but took it for 96 yards and got that elusive
2: touchdown he couldn't get last year. Are you starting to believe in Miles Sanders? I, I've always – you know, I feel like I've kind of been on him as a, a low-end RB, too. You know, my, my narrative for him is that if he had just produced three or four touchdowns last year, we would, we would view him in a completely different light. Well, he started off the season 96 yards and a touchdown, See, I think he actually and he caught two passes too for nine yards. So while Gainwell is getting more of the passing down work, Sanders is the best back on that team. I do believe Nick Sirianni knows that, but also teams know you've got to use multiple backs most of the time. And while Sanders being the a bigger back, he's he's only like two fifteen. He isn't like some of these two hundred twenty five, two hundred thirty pound backs. So I like Sanders and his opportunity that he's going to get. And um, I don't mind that he doesn't like fantasy and just wants to win because winning teams do what? They score points. And teams that score points do what? They score fantasy points. All right, Miles Sanders, hate my fantasy team. Just go out there and carry the ball and score touchdowns. Yeah, he
1: was one of the few bright spots in my Scott Fishbowl lineup. You know, RIP, the, the though, thing uh, was, Devonta
2: Smith. Well, the th- and the thing with Hertz, though, I was checking because Hertz ran the- – he led the team in rushing with 17, but nine of those 17 were scrambles. So they were actually – he dropped back – what? He had 32 pass attempts, so he dropped back 41 times. I don't think they want Hertz dropping back that much. Um, but I think I think if some of those scrambles had been converted into actual pass attempts – then I think they would have been in a position to run the ball more as well. But Detroit was getting some pressure on him. And so, he, I mean, nine scrambles out of 17 rush attempts is feels like a pretty high amount to me. Um, but, yes, yes. I, I agree, RIP Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith and the Saints defense got me in DFS yesterday.
1: It was also a touchdown party. There were four different ball carriers, including Hertz and Sanders that got touchdowns.
2: Yeah. Um, Why they they need to give Boston Scott goal line carries. What
1: the hell? Just to break our heart. Speaking of teams that seem to give goal line carries, DeAndre Swift looked really good. Um, you know, huge rushing performance that we were looking for. But I want to talk about his backfield mate, and that's Jamal Williams. He got 11 carries for 28 yards, which isn't that impressive. But two of those carries were touchdowns, seemed like they were using him in the red zone. Does that give him any flex appeal for you week to week?
2: I don't think week to week. I mean, that's 11 for 28 isn't great. He's a short yardage back, and – I don't want to rely on him getting two touchdowns every week uh, because I think we see DeAndre Swift being able to produce as well. I mean, 15 carries for 144 yards uh, I think is a a pretty good day. And then Swift also, what, he caught all three of his pass targets too. So Swift is clearly the better back. I I think in the deepest of deep leagues, then I think, yeah, you're looking at Jamal Williams and saying – you know, in my third flex spot, I'm gonna go ahead and and uh, slot in a guy that can get me six points on a touchdown. He may only get me nine points for the game, uh, but it I feel like I got a good shot. He's gonna get a little bit of red zone work. Um, unfortunately, that stuff cuts into DeAndre Swift's usage. But Swift is what he's 5'8", 209. I I think there is some concern to not want to use him because uh Jamal Williams, I think he's 5'11, 220 or something. So he is a little bit bigger, but we've seen small backs be able to convert at the goal line. Um I just think that Detroit is probably going to err on the side of uh if they if they can avoid a, you know egregious hits on DeAndre Swift, they're going to. But I would be nervous starting him in a, you know, a uh a one or two flex league, it's going to make me nervous all season if I'm in that position.
1: Yeah, I agree. A little too touchdown dependent. Well, we go from one of the highest scoring games of the week to a complete dog of a game, and that was in Miami, where the Dolphins won 20-7 to over the Patriots. The Patriots had a lot of offensive questions coming in. Dennis, did they answer any of your questions?
2: They have a lot of offensive questions going out, let me tell you. Uh, I think that, the you know, they did answer one question. Jacoby Myers is the wide receiver you want to roster. Um, he led the team in targets with six, caught four for 55 yards. Uh, we know his difficulty with finding the end zone. Uh, the team, the, I mean, Belichick needs to fire both of his offensive coordinators and get an action. I mean, I'm sitting here going, please bring, bring back Charlie Weiss or Bill O'Brien. That's what Belichick needs to do. It's that bad, I think. Um, You know, it's the the running back touches were split fairly evenly. You know, so it's like they they view both of them. And they and they told us in the preseason, we view both of them as three down backs. So what are they doing? Take the whole series. You you play on third down. It doesn't matter. Um,
1: Plus, you have James uh, Ty Montgomery taking that James White role gets the one touchdown.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, that's,
1: you know. the The running back, right now, still for me, I mean, you're, you're right. Probably Myers is the one you want to roster. Last year, the one fantasy asset you seemed you could count on was Hunter Henry, and we saw more John F. Smith. Neither of them would have been a great play. I'm kind of still avoiding the Patriots until we can get some kind of sense of consistency from their offense.
2: Yeah, it's really, it's Jacoby Myers is – it, and I think he'll be consistent, but I don't think he's going to be much more than a flex play.
1: The passing game for Miami played out pretty well how we thought. Um, you know, I didn't. none of us thought he was going to have a good game. Hill and Waddle both heavily involved, had some good numbers. But let's look at the backfield. Did you learn anything about the
2: Dolphins' backfield? Uh, I think it played out kind of like we thought it would. Uh, Edmonds with 12 carries, Mostert with five. Um Edmonds had four targets. Mostert had one. So, you know, the guy they paid all the money to is getting the touches over the guy that they brought in to teach the guy they paid all the money to the offense. It's just – it is what it is. Well, you know, I don't think Edmonds is going to have a lot of 20-carry games, but I think 12, 14 rush attempts with three to five targets is going to be kind of the norm for him. Uh, It'll come down to, can he make explosive plays? You don't want to see somebody getting 12 carries and um, putting up 25 yards, but we also know that new England has a pretty stout run defense. So we'll take what we can get. Edmonds had four caught four passes for 40 yards. So that's not anything to sneeze at. That's, that's okay. So then the, you know, I think Edmonds is the guy you want. Mostert's the guy you handcuff. And then if something goes haywire, you know, then all of a sudden we'll see Miles Gaskin come in and rush for a hundred yards.
3: Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And, as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple, bet on an NFL team to win, if your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code TPPN, that is T-P-P-N, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TP. P and only a Draft Book sports book, DraftKings sports book, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details.
1: I yeah,
3: I, f- I think Chase
1: Edmonds probably a flex. Um, I'm still not incredibly high on the Dolphins' running game uh, until we see a little more. Another team that was, or another game that was a little bit confusing and quite slow for a while was the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Jets. The Ravens ended up winning 24 to 9. Uh, They ended up exploding for points late it was three nothing for most of the first half and then they put on a touchdown ended up being 10-3 they got 14 points uh, the Ravens did in the third quarter to kind of put it away a big part of their attack was Devin DuVernay who saw four targets caught all four for 54 yards and two of the touchdowns Dennis are you buying in to DuVernay
2: I mean not really uh you know Jeff I was listening to Jeff Manns on Sirius XM today and and he's a big proponent of Duvernay. His his thesis is that the Ravens throw inside the hash marks, and that's Duvernay in the slot and Mark Andrews at the tight end. Well, Bateman had more targets than um, Duvernay. Duvernay just converted his. I don't know if that's you know I didn't watch a lot of the game, so I don't know if it was if if Bateman's were uncatchable if the coverage was better, or it was just that um, on particular plays, Duvernay was open, but Duvernay made plays, and that's all you can ask of him. I think we said in the preseason, we knew he was going to be the wide receiver too. We just don't want to have to rely on starting the wide receiver too in the Baltimore offense. Bateman is a better wide receiver. Uh, I think Bateman will get plenty of opportunities and he will convert those opportunities. He had five targets and he actually had more yards than Duvernay. So he had a big 55 yard bomb uh, late in the game and he had a touchdown as well. So I'm still prioritizing um, receiving options in Baltimore as Andrews, Bateman and then Duvernay.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. But DuVernay, I do feel better about him being seeming to be the kind of number two receiver and somebody in a deeper league that maybe you are willing to take a flex shot on. Yeah. On the flip side for the Jets, we started getting rumblings that Michael Carter wasn't as subservient to uh, – dynasty number one pick consensus number one pick Brees Hall as we had all thought and we saw that play out in the game Carter had 10 carries for 60 yards ended up catching seven passes for 40 yards on nine targets but Brees Hall was there too six carries 23 yards caught six passes on for 38 yards on a team high 10 targets are they both going to be good plays or is this just going to be frustrating
2: I think it's going to be they're going to be okay plays and it's going to be frustrating but I I I'm probably more concerned with what we can really expect from the offense, you know in four weeks when Zach Wilson comes back because I don't know how many of those 19 targets to Hall and Carter were, were just, not just checkdowns, you know how much you know if if 80% of those were checkdowns, is that just because of Joe Flacco? Or, you know, can we expect Zach Wilson to, you know, being young and dumb to try to make plays that aren't going to uh, warrant that type of targets to the running backs? I think they're both going to have a role, but I think as we move forward, um, Hall will at, Hall is going to take over. It may not be next week and it may not be two weeks from now, but Hall will become the primary ball carrier. and. I suspect that we're looking at a 2021 um, Denver split.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... That would make some sense. I, I like Hall's talent, but Carter isn't going away, and I think they like Carter and they like his heart. I think there's going to be space to play both, but they're probably neither one of them you're going to feel good about as more than a flex play, because I'm with you. Dwayne Brown went on IR, um, which is not a great sign. The The solution they had to losing left tackle Makai Becton or losing Makai Becton the tackle was to get Dwayne Brown, who is now also on IR, so they had to switch Fant back to left tackle. I think they're still working on that offensive well
2: work. and i think though with brown they they feel very confident that in 4 weeks he's going to be ready to go i think they just were like well we need to clear up a space it, but in 4 weeks he'll be ready to go and they're going to slide him right in
1: our next game the washington commanders hold on 28-22 over the jacksonville jaguars but the jaguars actually played pretty well Big offseason signing was Christian Kirk got a huge, massive deal to kind of boost the Jacksonville passing game. Trevor Lawrence looked a little better, 275 yards, touchdown, interception. But Christian Kirk, 12 targets, 6 catches, 117 yards. Do you like what you see?
2: I do. I mean, they're, they're using him like they paid him to be used. They gave him money, they said, we're going to throw you the ball. We need you to do stuff with it. He put up 117 yards. It would have been nice for him to get into the end zone. But I think overall, the Jaguars came out and kind of did what they needed to do uh, under a new coaching regime. They needed to kind of show, hey, we're yeah, last year was weird. We're we're over that. We're moving on. Um, you know, the, where they invested outside of Kirk in in the receiving game, I think we can question it. But after the year they had last year. Players were rightfully skeptical about going to uh, Jacksonville. They had to overpay to get Kirk, who's probably best suited as a number two, um, but now he's being paid to be a number one. And I think as they bring, as they, as Peterson kind of settles this team down over the course of this year. I, I think next year they bring in an alpha wide receiver. I don't know if it's a rookie. I don't know if it's a veteran that will be out there. But I think they'll bring in an alpha wide receiver to go with Christian Kirk uh, and, and with with the, uh, the other uh, fantasy assets they have.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a big step forward for the Jaguars uh, offense. And I liked what Kirk did. I think he's a solid weekly start there in Jacksonville. On the flip side, we didn't know what to make of the other receivers not named Terry McLaren in Washington. Well, we got our answer. Curtis Samuel looking very much like he did a couple of years ago. He had a couple of carries, led the team in targets with 11 catches, eight passes, 55 yards and a touchdown. Rookie Jahan Dotson gets five targets, catches three of them, for 40 yards and two touchdowns. Are you buying into Washington's other receivers and uh, the seemingly uh Air raid offense that Kirk uh, that Carson Wentz is now running there.
2: You know that's a a weird offense. Um, I don't know if they they played it like that because they felt that's what they could get away with versus Jacksonville, but it was you know we've seen Curtis Samuel be good in the past. Uh, we just haven't seen him be healthy a lot, and I I would not expect Samuel to. Out target Terry McLaurin eleven to four on a regular basis. Um, I, I and Dotson, you know, he made a couple really really good plays. I think it's a situation where they're they've got a new quarterback, a uh, rookie receiver, a guy coming off an injury, uh, an established receiver, and they're just trying to shake it out and see you know how consistent can they be, what's going to happen with them. I'm still McLaurin's the guy I want, um, but I do think that Dotson and Samuel can provide some flex appeal, especially if the offense starts clicking, if they can be balanced, you know, what Gibson ran 14 times for 58 yards, Samuel put up over four yards per carry, uh, McKissick rushed the, the ball eight times, went six. So if they can, if they can be balanced, I think that the opportunity is going to be there for this offense to score some points.
1: Yeah, I think I was just a year too early on Curtis Samuel, who was my pick for uh, fantasy MVP last year. Um, he looks—this is what I thought he could potentially do going over there. Maybe I was just a year too early. His legs weren't yet ready. Uh, we got a quick question. I'll ask you: uh, Given the news, obviously with Dak now out for eight weeks, would you trade CD Lamb and DJ Chark for Keenan Allen, who himself is dealing with an injury? And I'm going to go ahead and say that for me, there's too many unknowns. I probably would not.
2: Well, I'm definitely not if it's dynasty. And if it's redraft, I'm still definitely not. I like the combination of Lamb and Chark. I think they're both going to be productive. Uh, I'm not worried. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, Lamb is still the wide receiver one there. Are we not drafting D.K. Metcalf because Geno Smith is the quarterback? No, we're drafting D.K. Metcalf. Not everyone uh, is, I will. No. But with Lamb, I mean, we've already made the investment. Don't sell low. And I think if you're selling Lamb and Chark to get Keenan Allen with a hamstring injury, you're selling low.
1: On our next game, the Cleveland Browns holding on 26-24 over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was not terrible, seemed to only have eyes for Donovan Peoples-Jones at times, but one guy that did have a good game was Kareem Hunt, who got 11 carries for 46 yards, got a touchdown on the ground, despite the fact that Nick Chubb was just killing it, 22 carries, 141 yards when they gave him the ball. But then Hunt also had four targets, caught all 4 for 24, and another touchdown. Are we back to starting Hunt
2: weekly? You know, I... Kareem, uh, Nick Chubb, he could have had 200 yards rushing in this game. I mean, yeah. they, he, they'll never allow it. I, and I, I just don't know why. It drives me bananas. I mean, it's like they're using Chubb like they used Miles Sanders last year. Well, oh, we're going to run you in this inside the twenties, but when we get inside the twenties, we're going to bring in this other guy. This is not not as good. He's all right, but. You know, I I like Kareem Hunt. We've seen him be a really great fantasy asset. And he's still showing that he can be a really great fantasy asset. But why do you got to sacrifice Nick Chubb to do that? It was crazy. I, I just, I mean, I felt so bad for Nick Chubb and managers who roster Nick Chubb. It was just to me, it's, it's a travesty.
1: On the flip side, the Carolina offense did not look great. I do not think Baker Mayfield gave too much FOMO to the uh, opposite sideline. Uh, his big proclamations about his revenge game didn't quite pan out. But one guy who did have a decent game, eight targets for Robbie Anderson. He caught five of them for 102 yards and a touchdown. Those numbers are goosed up a little bit by a 75-yard bomb. But are we starting to believe Robbie had a t- Great first year in Carolina. Real rough year last year. Could he have another good year this year?
2: I mean, how are you defining good? Like wide receiver forty? I mean, like you wouldn't cry if you had to start him. I mean, I I think he's he's a this game aside. I think he's a flex play. So if you if you have to start two wide receivers, un- unless it, you're unless there's six buys or. You're decimated by injuries. You're probably not going to put Anderson in your wide receiver spot. Uh, he, he's a flex play. The, uh, he had a great game, um, but I don't think I, I think it's DJ Moore. That's who who's, who's going to kind of lead the way. And Moore had what? Moore had six six targets, caught three for 43 yards. Um, <clears throat> I, I I like I like Anderson as a flex, but I. I you know, he's a wide receiver, 3-4 probably at best.
1: Yeah, I'm still not even super confident playing him in the flex. You know,
2: he feels like a boom-bust guy.
1: <sighs> On to a game that probably took years off of uh, our friend Tony's life. The Colts managed a 20-20 tie with the Texans. That's right, opening day gave us our first tie of the season. Yay! This is the uh, second year, it seems like, in a row where the Colts have entered with some massive expectations and not gotten off to a great start, the game probably wasn't even this close. They were getting blown out until a 17-point fourth quarter to rally to even tie the game. Should
2: we be worried about the Colts? Well, you know, Frank Reich can sometimes suffer from the old uh, smartest guy in the room syndrome, and then he outsmarts himself. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, 31 for 161 in a touchdown. Michael Pittman, 9 of 13 for 121 in a touchdown. Um, I I feel like the offense should have been more productive when it comes to points, when you've got your top two guys putting up those kind of numbers. So, you know, to me – I. The Texans are a scrappy team. They showed that last year when they were playing for Caldwell. And a lot of those same guys are there. And they, you know, they're kind of, they get to hear how bad people think they are. And I think they're developing a fairly strong culture of work hard and everything else is going to take care of itself. Uh, Rex Burkhead is a perfect kind of guy like that. Brandon Cooks is a perfect guy like that. You know, Davis Mills outperformed most of the rookie quarterbacks last year being a late round pick. Um, he just went in, put his head down, and when it, he was called on, he took care of business. So they are creating uh, some opportunities to, to put up fantasy numbers, and I think their defense probably surprised the Colts. Um, I, is it a bad sign? Not for fantasy if they're going to put up those kinds of numbers. I mean, you'd like to see a couple more touchdowns out of Matt Ryan as a fantasy manager. But if I'm getting 161 yards and a touchdown out of my RB1 and 121 and nine catches and a touchdown out of my wide receiver one, I'm pretty happy with that for fantasy.
1: Yeah, I mean, from fantasy and even from a game scripting, we've often complained that uh, they use Jonathan Taylor the way the Browns use Nick Chubb, but that wasn't the case yesterday. He got 31 carries. I think Hines had three carries. I mean, he was the featured guy. He was banging it out there. I, I do think it's concerning for those that think that they're a potential playoff team or can make a run. We've seen the last couple of years they struggle with these what should be winnable games in the division. It was last year not being able to beat Jacksonville, kept them out of the playoffs entirely, despite some of the better wins that they had. So I think it is something to watch, a curiosity. On the flip side, for the Texans, there was a lot of buzz for Damon Breaking,
2: breaking news, Kenneth Walker officially inactive. Uh, he was supposed to be inactive. Yeah. Was, they've been talking is. about. Uh, uh, Elijah Mitchell going on IR as well. God.
1: It's always great to have played one week of fantasy and have to go back to the drawing board on like half your teams because of all the people out. Um, Texans, Damon Pierce, a lot of buzz on him going in. He got out carried and out targeted by Rex Burkhead. Seemed like uh, he may not have quite the bell cow role people were hoping. What did you think of Pierce? Uh,
2: I think it's just a matter of time. Um, it's you know he's he's a more talented back but Lovey Smith is a deferred to my veteran kind of guy coach. He's one of those old school coaches. And I don't think he was, you know, pulling our chain when he talked about how good he felt Pierce was. I think if he, I think if he was kind of toying with the fantasy community, I think he would have kept Mac and Freeman in more prominent roles. He didn't. It's, it's, Pierce and it's it's Burkhead and they're going to have fairly defined roles Um, and as they go but Pierce is going to have to earn some of that you know he's he is a rookie and he's going to have to earn some of those snaps that Burkhead gets by doing the things he's supposed to protecting his quarterback picking up the you know running the right route on the right play doing the right thing and so as this season continues to go on I think we see Pierce creep up more and more and more. Um, I, I just to me I'm not necessarily worried about see, a couple of these games I didn't have notes for for some reason but I'm not worried about Pierce at this point. this is where you go well let me go see if I can make a deal and add him uh, you know for depth at a cheap price. Yeah, and,
1: you know, a lot of people compared him to this year's Michael Carter, and I think forget that Michael Carter didn't start out going gangbusters right away. He kind of worked his way into it, and I think that's going to be some of it with Pierce. Probably still a flex option, but those people that thought he was going to be top 20 right out of the gate are uh, probably going to have to adjust to a new reality. Although the way we're losing running backs, you never know. Right. (laughs) on to the afternoon games the first of those the big buzz game was kansas city chiefs in arizona the battle of the cardinals wasn't much of a game the chiefs led at 1.37 to 7 end up winning 44 to 21. a lot of the buzz was about isaiah pacheco who got into the game and got 62 yards and a touchdown uh but He really came in after the game was already decided, and it was another Chiefs running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who looked really good at the beginning. Seven carries for 42 yards may not knock your socks off, but he did catch three passes for 32 yards and two touchdowns. Were we too harsh on Hilaire this offseason?
2: Well, I don't know that we were too harsh. You know, it's a put-up-or-shut-up season for him. He's playing for a contract extension. This is his third year. you know They drafted him in the first round, so they do like him. Then they gave him four goal-line carries in his first game, and he was stuffed on all four of them. And so he's had to make his way back. He does some things really, really well. He fits the Andy Reid offense really well. And I think as long as he keeps producing when given the opportunity, he's going to be just fine. This was a game where – you know, we loved Pacheco in the preseason, and then we see him get in here in this game, and we see, uh, you know, the the shots of Jarek McKinnon tugging on Reed's Reed's jacket saying, hey, put me in, and he's like – and he's giving him the no, I'm going to leave Pacheco in there. The game was so far out of hand. It didn't matter. You know, Pacheco is getting garb- – uh, you know, it was mop-up duty. Uh, honestly, I'm surprised Chad Henney wasn't in there at that point. Um it was just it – it is what it is. He got he got playing time and a, a blowout, and that's what you want with rookies. If you can get your rookies in there so you can evaluate them when under fire in real games, then you take that opportunity. I think Pacheco is going to be fine. I think McKinnon has a role, but I think Edwards-Alaire is the RB1 in Kansas City.
1: On the flip side, a lot of injuries and uh, not a lot of options for the Cardinals wasn't a very good game. But one guy who kind of made a su- subtle appearance is Greg Dortch, the receiver, had nine targets, caught seven of them for sixty-three to lead the way. Are you buying into Dortch at all?
2: No, I mean he's he's what that everybody wanted Rondale Moore to be in this game, you know. He, but I mean seven catches for 63 yards. So it's all around the line of scrimmage. It's, you know, he's not going downfield or, or doing that much. I mean, Dorch was kind of a sleeper when he came out, he didn't have draft capital. He got, uh, uh, he was a free agent and people were like, Oh, he's going to show everybody. Well, he didn't, he went and he started doing, you know, tried to catch on by being a kick returner, punt returner, playing special teams, Uh, But he's a small guy like Rondale Moore, and, you know, he plays a specific role in an offense, whether that's the Cardinals or whether he moves on when they make more active. I'm not going to – I'm not rushing to pick up uh, Greg Dorch.
1: Yeah, me either. You know, I think there's other players that are going to come back, and that was just an opportunity uh, game. He, He did a nice job, though. Uh, next was a battle in the AFC West that was the Los Angeles Chargers hosting the Las Vegas Raiders and they beat them 24 to 19 a game that was lopsided kind of in the first half and they the Raiders made a good rally and made things closer Uh, some concerning injuries for the Chargers which we'll get to in a minute but on the Raiders side a uh, huge game for Devontae Adams. 17 targets, catches 10 of them for 141. Darren Waller gets four for 79. Then there's Hunter Renfro. He saw six targets, which is the good, but only three catches for 21 yards. Is it a sign of things to come, Dennis?
2: Uh, I think it's more a sign of things to come occasionally. It's going to be, you know, him and Waller are, are going to be that second – third fiddle to, you know, they're the Supremes. Devontae Adams is Diana Ross. You know, they're going to have a hit now and again on their own. Diana Ross is going to, you know, Devontae Adams is, is the guy. Uh, I don't think Adams is going to regularly get 17 targets. I don't know if him and Carr decided they had something to prove yesterday. Um, but I mean, last year in Game One, Waller had 19 targets and didn't come close to that the rest of the season. I think Adams is going to be fine. He's going to get a lot of targets. I, I think Renfro six, seven targets, eight targets, maybe. I think that's where he's going to be. So if it, he's going to be that five to eight target guy, he's going to have. He's not going to produce a lot of yardage and when it comes to the red zone he's occasionally go- going to produce it's more about Waller and Adams because they are legitimate red zone threats uh, Renfro will get some opportunities there because he gets open that's you know he he in short area Renfro gets open so he'll i, I don't think Carr will completely overlook that I just think this was kind of a I'm going to take my new car for a spin kind of game. I hope you're right. I had high hopes for Hunter Renfro, and that was not
1: a great start. On the flip side, Keenan Allen uh, had a decent start catching all four of his targets for 66 yards, then went out with an injury. We did not see very much from Mike Williams or Josh Palmer. Gerald Everett catches a touchdown. Uh, Kind of a ho-hum game for Austin Eckler as well. The Chargers got out to a pretty decent lead and then were able to hold on. If Keenan Allen misses time, should we worry about this offense?
2: Well, I think you always worry about it when you lose a guy as talented as Keenan Allen. Um, But Mike Williams, um, Josh Palmer, Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, Austin Eckler, Jalen Guyton, they do have some depth. And... It's one of those situations where what they're going to have to do probably is to spread the ball around more to other guys. It isn't – I don't think – if Palmer replaces uh, – who was it? DeAndre Carter actually came in for him yesterday. I don't. If, if Palmer or Carter come in and start playing the Keenan Allen role, I don't think we're going to see them getting consistently Keenan Allen type of targets. Because Allen was the highest targeted guy there, and so I don't think I don't think anybody takes that role. I think guys, when they get in there, they're going to need to produce. They really like Palmer and Carter for being a journeyman. You know, he's produced the last couple of years when he's been given an opportunity, at both in Washington and now in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, you know.
1: Uh, Herbert is a guy we've seen over the years uh, that he's been in here that finds a way to make it work with whoever's in the game. So I don't really worry about them. Fantasy purposes, though, it might make it that Herbert's about the one you feel good about playing. I was a little surprised about Mike Williams. I don't know if it was just the coverage or the schemes. I thought he was going to have a big day. It wasn't that involved. I'll be curious to see if they make that right going
2: forward. The other big a- – Williams tied for the team lead in targets. He didn't really do anything. Wait, yep. I mean, he tied with seven other guys. I mean, yeah, all of them I had mean, four.
1: It was kind of like a, a real spread it out game. I'll just be curious to see. And yeah, Allen I mean, probably would have had a lot more targets if
2: he hadn't gone out early. Right. with an injury. Yeah. I mean, Herbert's a throw it to the open guy kind of guy.
1: The other big divisional battle in the afternoon was the Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. Did not go Aaron Rodgers' way. The Vikings win this pretty handily, twenty-three to seven. The Packers never really seemed to be in it. Their offense pretty flat in general. This is the second consecutive opening day that they've come out and kind of laid down for an opponent. Last year, got clocked by the New Orleans
2: Saints. Should we be concerned, though, Dennis? I don't think I'm concerned yet. I don't have high hopes for their wide receiver group. Um, Man. Christian Watson did his best MVS impression though. That was that was classic. I mean, all he needed to do was be wearing number eighty-three. Um, I, I think you know their running game was good. They, but I think they were in a felt like they were in a position where they couldn't lean on it and get um, as much production out of it. I mean, Jones had. Almost 10 yards per carry. Dylan had four and a half yards.
1: I know, but they only gave Jones five carries.
2: I know. And then and then they gave Dylan six targets. He led the team in targets. So it's a weird situation. What Jones had five targets. So it was very running back-centric as far as the offense was going. Um, but they need somebody to step up and and have rogers confidence and i don't think they're going to get that until lazard comes back Uh, and as much as i i know we kind of like to bang on lazard because he's been in the league for 16 years now and never been a wide receiver one well now is the time i mean he's gonna get his shot rogers is like hey he's been here he's done everything we've asked him for the last five years he's always produced when we needed him to Well, they need him now and he's going to need to, uh, uh, you know, hopefully those that being the number one blocking wide receiver in the NFL translates to catches.
1: Yeah. I'll wait to see Lazard back. I was surprised that we didn't get a little more, um, from Aaron Jones surprised about the, the usage, but, you know, maybe green Bay, just a team that that's working its way in after not really playing together much, uh, in the preseason. On the flip side, 11 targets, nine receptions, 184 yards and two touchdowns for Justin Jefferson. Is he tracking to be the wide receiver one with Kevin O'Connell there and the
2: reins off? He's, you know, he's looking like it. I mean, the dude is good and he's all, you know, all off season. He was definitely one of three guys in that top tier, him and chase and obviously Cooper cup. Uh, and and I think actually you could probably expand it to four with Devonte Adams, um, and if you want to get a little broader, you could even include Stephon Diggs. But in Dynasty, Jefferson is the wide receiver one, um, and we know he's all he's done is put up what fourteen hundred yard, sixteen hundred yard seasons, and him and Cousins have been there. They're going into year three, new offense or not, they they have a connection. Dude gets open. He catches everything. He's a great route runner. Um, If he finishes as the wide receiver one, nobody's going to bat an eye.
1: Yeah, I I think he's in for a heck of a season, making a lot of people uh, who pass on him in in rookie drafts or in other drafts or even in the actual NFL draft uh, double-think their decisions. Is
2: that a shout-out to Howie?
1: Well, I mean, it worked out for him now because he's got AJ Brown, but I mean, he, that wasn't the only team that passed on him. I, I would take Justin Jefferson over to Jerry Judy, I'll tell you that. I bet <laughs> you would. One of the uh, most fun outcomes of the day, especially coming on the anniversary of 9 11, was intense. I think the
2: proper grammar is the funnest. Funnet,
1: the funnest game coming on the anniversary of 9-11 was the Giants getting a 21-20 to win over Tennessee in Tennessee in Brian Dayball's coaching debut. We'll get to the Giants in a minute, but first, Tennessee, a team who was the number one seed last year. Uh, they had a decent lead here and kind of frittered it away at the end. Real inconsistent in the passing game. What do you take away from the passing offense here for Tennessee in fantasy purposes, Dennis?
2: No, I think they're just settling in and trying to get used to who they are. They've never been a real high volume passing team. And now they've got Traylon Burks and then Robert Woods coming off an injury at the top of the pecking order. And then out of nowhere comes this slot guy, Kyle Phillips, um, doing his best 2021 20, Hunter Renfro impression. Uh, I. They've got some guys between Phillips and Burks and um, and Woods and then Westbrook Akini. so it, it comes down to can they develop the chemistry, <laughs> being that they are a um, run first team. You know Derrick Henry back in the saddle, twenty one carries, eighty two yards, but then Dontrell Hilliard catching two touchdown passes. So if I'm a Derek Henry manager I'm frustrated that they you know they here they go taking Henry out when they go into sh- when they're going to pass it in the red zone I don't know I am not bought into Hilliard that's for sure Yeah I Matt was
1: right um you know all the rumors about Traylon Burks being way behind did seem to be uh, that just that a rumor. He had more targets than Nick Westbrook, Bikini, and Robert Woods combined. Um, didn't look too bad. And Kyle Phillips, he was the talk of the camp. I think he's a guy that needs to be rostered in every format. Uh, looks like there is going to be some potential there. Maybe they'll have uh, more weapons and more options than we thought, just different weapons and different
2: options. I mean, th- they've got a year to get these weapons ready
1: for Malik Willis. Uh, On to the Giants side. Uh, The Giants rally, uh, come up with the win. Um, It was a nice way for them to open the season, but the biggest thing I took away, the biggest, most exciting thing probably, uh, if you love football, is seeing Saquon Barkley out there. 18 carries, 164 yards, averaged 9.1 yards per carry, got a touchdown, caught six passes for 30 yards on seven targets. He hasn't looked this good probably since his rookie year. Are you pumped for Saquon in year five?
2: Hell yes. Um, Now it's just, can he stay healthy? You know, it's, he plays a brutal sport. Uh, He's always been an exceptional athlete. He's big, six foot, 232 pounds, you know, and he has excellent change of direction movement, phenomenal speed and power. Um, that's why we keep going back to the well every year when we hear, oh, he's looking good. He's looking good. It's like, you know, there's a reason CMC, after playing 10 games in two years, was the number two running back off the board this year. When you see what, you, when you know what these players can do when they're healthy and you start hearing they're healthy, you can't pass them up. And Barkley was going absurdly late in drafts. And to see him come out and put up numbers like this, there are some managers out there that, you know, have like Cooper Cup, Saquon Barkley stacks that are going to be
1: like, oh, my gosh. I know. And most of the mocks and even the draft we did, he was going to the top of the third round, and that's going to be exceptional value for a guy who looks like he is all the way back. Well, from that highlight to the final game we have to look at, which rounded out Sunday, Sunday night football, going out like a wet fart. (laughs) with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning 19-3 to in Dallas. It's the fewest points Dallas has put up in an opener since Troy Aikman was a rookie, uh, which has got to make the Cowboys fans feel good on this morning. But more on them and their sadness in a minute. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers looked pretty darn good. Um, Leonard Fournette running with power. They have a, pl- a plethora of pass-receiving weapons. Based on what we saw, are they possibly the best team in the NFC right now?
2: I mean, they could be. They they are going to go as far as the center of that offensive line will take them. If the center and those two guards can hold up and keep Brady upright, um, and they're a good team. They've got great weapons with with uh, Evans and Julio and Godwin and Gage. You know, they're deep at wide receiver. Brayton Otten are very and and. You know, for all the hubbub when they signed Kyle Rudolph, he wasn't even active yesterday. So while Bray didn't do a ton with his three targets, um, he, he's—I think—he's going to be the starter there. I think uh, Rudolph settles in as the the second tight end. Rashad White—he looked good. They—they seem to have a little bit of trust in him. He carried the ball six times, had two targets, and caught both of them. But Lenny Fournette looked great. And I I, I don't know that he, you really, you know, even if he, uh Godwin misses a game or two with his hamstring, you know, Julio, Julio did the kiss Tom Brady's kids on the mouth treatment over the summer and he sucked their souls out and now he's looking like great, powerful, and fast again. I you know, I don't know if that's what the treatment is, but it sure seems like it could be. Um Gauge looks good. I mean, the, they they've got weapons, and I think that things aren't quite as bleak for Dallas as as this score would indicate. Um, but I think that Tampa is in a decent spot with their um, with their offense. They they've got some good good players.
1: Well, speaking of. Dallas, they have some offensive line issues. And then, of course, Dak gets hit on the throwing hand. Uh, Damage to his right thumb will require surgery. He will be out at least six to eight weeks, which is not what the Cowboys wanted to hear after this performance. C.D. Lamb, 11 targets, only manages two catches for 29 yards. What are we thinking about this offense now as they go into an extended time of Cooper Rush?
2: Well, the running game, despite the offense, was productive. They just didn't run it. The defense played great. You know, the Buccaneers had four drives that they got down and couldn't convert into touchdowns. The defense held them, and I think that's a really good sign for Dallas. I haven't looked ahead at their schedule to see – if in the next six to eight games, how many of them the defense might be able to carry them. Um, C.D. Lamb, he's going to get the volume. Here,
1: I'll give you there. uh so they're home against the Bengals, then at the Giants, home for the Commanders, at the Rams, at the Eagles, home for the Lions, home for the Bears, then at the Packers. So they play a – bulk of their home schedule early. So
2: the but I, it sounds to me like the opportunity is there to go four and four. Um, and I think if they do that, you know, they come out of Dak being gone for eight weeks with a four and five record. Um, you know, there's a reason Cooper Rush is a backup. You know, they're probably, I you know, I saw some talk, oh, they should go get Jimmy G. Why? I mean, I don't actually,
1: that was real popular, but I believe when Jimmy G redid his contract, he has a no trade clause. Correct.
2: But, you know, they can waive the no trade clause. He could waive it if he he, wanted to. Correct. Why would he want to? Correct. Um, So, you know, if they go, if they come out of this at, you know, four and five, uh, three and six, they they will have the opportunity to, to make a run to get to the playoffs um cd lamb is going to be fine uh their biggest opportunities are somebody has to step up at wide receiver to help take the pressure off a lamb and to take the pressure off a cooper rush it could be we could be looking at a very very heavy uh dalton schultz period coming up over these next six to eight weeks if you
1: were Dallas, and one of the other popular ones was that they should go out and get Cam Newton. You buy into that?
2: No. Dude, <laughs> I would rather have Cooper Rush. Yes. I mean, I'd rather yeah. have Ben DiNucci. I
1: think the bigger problem for Dallas is losing Tyron Smith and the way their offensive line, Connor McGovern, left a little bit early. They let some people go. I think, you know They've had some attrition. They went from having probably the best line in football to it being one of their biggest offensive questions. And no matter who the quarterback is, I think that's going to have a big impact.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I think uh, what's his name, Trevor Smith, or Tyler Smith, Tyler and, Smith, you know, in a perfect world, he'd have been able to spend the season playing next to Tyron Smith. It's not a perfect world. It's time to put your pants on and go. I think he played well. You know, yeah. Tampa's got a good defense and He's, he, he comported himself in a reasonably good fashion as he gets snaps. I think he's going to get better and better and better. There's a reason he was drafted as high as he was. That's not to say that high picks don't bust, but uh, I think the way he played, there's definitely hope at the left tackle position for the Cowboys. You know, it's probably for him, it's going to be next year, but I don't think he, I don't think he was, Overmatched. I think if he had to play, say, Miles Garrett, it might have been a different story. But against against uh, Tampa, I think he held up, held up okay.
1: Well, that's going to do it for us today. That is a wrap on the first Sunday of the NFL season tonight. Uh, in about thirty minutes, you'll get the chance to see the Denver Broncos go out and pound the Seattle Seahawks into submission. Uh, because I'm not going to accept that there's any other possibility. Hopefully you will enjoy that one on Wednesday. Uh, Matt and I will be back. We'll be giving you our top 12 at each position. We'll be looking at the highlights of the Monday night football game, and we will be previewing the Thursday night game, the first game on Amazon, which is a pretty darn good one, as the Chargers will take on the Chiefs, both of them coming off of big wins on a short week. But that will wrap it up for today. Dennis, what should the people do? Go to your favorite
2: podcast platform and subscribe. Hey, I added a twist. And then rate and review. Give us, you know, boost us up. Let get us moving back up the charts. Uh feel free. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got
0: your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came like on the wall already. It is in the zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honest. The one up above his head, they can't jump with me, god, leave! Oh, they tackle like a 4 year Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! <laughs> <laughs>